My name is Scott Nye, and this is Talking Radical Radio. conditions in those jobs are often in blatant violation of our Labor Standards Act. And our Labor Standards Act itself does not provide what I would call excellent protections for these workers. So not only are they low-wage workers, they deal with shift scheduling that's unpredictable. They don't get a lot of notice. It's very hard to have a life. And it's very hard to know how many hours they have when they're trying just to make ends meet. That's the voice of Mark Nichols. He's today's guest on Talking Radical Radio. This show brings you grassroots voices from across Canada. We give you the chance to hear many different people who are involved in many different struggles talk about what they're doing, how they're doing it, and why they're doing it, in the belief that such listening can strengthen all of our efforts to change the world. After a 20-year career in the Canadian military, Mark Nichols became a priest in the Anglican Church. Over the decade and a half that he served in parishes, work in support of social and environmental justice became more and more a part of his ministry, to the point that when he left his last parish, he decided to find a way to devote himself more fully to being, as he put it, in the trenches of such struggles. That took a few different forms, but by late 2021, he was hired to be one of two initial organizers of the Workers' Action Network of Newfoundland and Labrador. Historically, Newfoundland's minimum wage has usually been among the lowest in Canada, though minimum wage campaigns have made some slow progress and it is scheduled to finally reach $15 an hour in October of 2023. Not surprisingly, low-wage workers in Newfoundland face much the same struggles as in the rest of the country. Everything from getting paid too little to live on, to unpredictable and often last-minute scheduling, to arbitrary and unfair treatment from employers, to many different forms of wage theft. According to Nichols, basic labor protections in the province are inadequate in many ways, and far too often, employers run roughshod over those protections that do nominally exist and rarely face consequences. It was this reality that the Labor Community Coalition, Common Front NL, had in mind when they decided to found the Workers' Action Network. In addition, they were aware that employers have plenty of organizations allowing them to intervene in the political life of Newfoundland, and around 40% of workers in the province have a union, but the most vulnerable workers have, to this point, had little collective voice. After Nichols and digital organizer Sarah Moriarty were hired in November 2021, the first step was to do research. That included developing a very detailed understanding of relevant laws and regulations in the province, in part to produce the new network's website and other resources, as well as learning about what workers' centers and solidarity networks do in other jurisdictions. The network launched in February 2022. Its key priorities so far have been outreach and education work. The outreach has included lots of online and social media efforts and an ongoing online survey to learn about the experiences and needs of low-wage workers in Newfoundland. As the pandemic has gradually eased somewhat, they've been participating more and more in offline community events and have plans to be present on many post-secondary campuses in September and to make visits to other parts of the province in the near future. The core of their education work is Know Your Rights workshops, which have largely been held online so far, but again, will be increasingly happening offline in the future. 
The network also has some capacity to support individual workers who are pursuing complaints via official processes. They regularly take part in picket lines of unionized workers that are striking. And in terms of campaign work, they're supporting an initiative from the St. John's Status of Women Council demanding proactive provincial pay equity legislation, as well as a local version of a campaign being led by the Ontario-based Decent Work and Health Network for paid sick days for low-wage workers. The exact details of how the network will grow and evolve are still uncertain, in large part because they're very committed to making sure that it's worker-driven. It's a key priority for them to involve a critical mass of low-wage workers and to eventually have the network governed by a board consisting entirely of workers. Nichols said they're looking to acquire space that they can share with allied organizations, which will greatly facilitate their ability to host in-person events and bring workers together to build the network. They've not yet formulated specific demands for improving labor standards in the province, but Nichols expects that will eventually happen. In the longer term, he dreams of things like developing the capacity to take direct action against wage theft, a major public education campaign, and a broader movement demanding labor law reform. I speak with Nichols about low-wage and precarious work in Newfoundland and Labrador, and about the Workers' Action Network, NL. My name is Mark Nichols. I am the community organizer for the Workers' Action Network of Newfoundland and Labrador. The Workers' Action Network launched on February 1st, and we're part of a broader workers' action, workers' solidarity network across Canada and throughout the United States. A bit about my background. I joined the military right out of high school and had a 20-year military career, which served as a good education for me because I served in different places at home and abroad and started seeing, you know, social injustices, if you will. And then when I left the military, went back to school, I studied for the Anglican priesthood and I served 15 years as a parish priest. And during that time, especially in my first parish, I did some work advocating on behalf of people who were being treated unjustly by our provincial government. And that kind of whet my appetite for addressing things that were unjust, unfair. And then certainly in my last parish, I got involved in a number of social justice causes, especially with respect to environmental justice. So when my time at my last parish came to an end, I wanted to leave parish ministry to dedicate myself full time to fighting for social justice. And I didn't know where I was going to wind up. I just knew that I wanted to be in the trenches, as I said at the time. I got involved with the Social Justice Cooperative in Newfoundland and Labrador, and then I was hired by Common Front NL to be the community organizer or public face of the 15 in Fairness campaign in this province. I left that after about nine months to run in the municipal election here in St. John's, Newfoundland, unsuccessfully. And then after the election was over, I was invited by Common Front NL to come back, only this time to work to establish a workers' action network here in Newfoundland and Labrador. Alongside me is Sarah Moriarty, our virtual organizer. We're the only two staffers at present with the Workers' Action Network. What are some of the key things that listeners should know about the experiences of low-wage and precarious workers in Newfoundland and Labrador to understand the context for the work of the network? That's a huge question. There are a lot of issues facing workers in low-wage work and those in unstable jobs and those who don't have any employee protections, you know, our gig workers, 
the majority of these jobs would be focused in the service sector. So you're looking at like food service and hospitality and then retail. And the conditions in those jobs are often in blatant violation of our Labor Standards Act. And our Labor Standards Act itself does not provide what I would call excellent protections for these workers. So not only are they low-wage workers, they deal with shift scheduling that's unpredictable. They don't get a lot of notice. It's very hard to have a life. And it's very hard to know how many hours they have when they're trying just to make ends meet. And then there's the issue of having all of their rights respected, like with respect to not experiencing wage theft. There's different forms of wage theft going on that workers are informing us about, whether that's illegal deductions from their tips, whether that's them being told they have to pay for, you know, wrong orders submitted or, you know, customer theft, things like that, all of which is illegal, but the worker does not feel very empowered to challenge that. So I think there's a sense of resignation amongst a lot of low-wage workers in this province that this is just the way it is. And if it gets too bad at one job, you just look for another one and hopefully that place is a little bit better. When in fact, we should be fighting this, standing up for the rights that we do have and fighting the government to improve the Labor Standards Act so that we have rights that I feel all workers should have. What's the political context like in Newfoundland for low-wage workers, in general, and in terms of things like how labor standards and the minimum wage have changed over the years? Well, the minimum wage story is one that I've been obviously involved with because of my time with 15 in Fairness. And I also just served on our minimum wage review committee, part of the group that made recommendations about where to go for the next two years with minimum wage. We've always had one of the lowest minimum wages in Canada for most of our history we have. During the Williams government, between January of 2007 and July of 2010, he rapidly increased minimum wage from $7 an hour to $10 an hour. And then shortly after that, he stepped down and it went back to the old way. And we had zero increase in four years to the minimum wage. It took seven years to go up to $11 an hour, and then 12 years to get to where we are now at $13.20 an hour. So we're going to be going to $13.70 an hour on October 1st, to at least $14.50 an hour on April 1st, 2023, and then finally to $15 an hour in October of 2023. So that's the dollar history, if you will, of our minimum wage. And we alternate between two parties here in government. When we get tired of the Liberals, we elect them out and we have the progressive Conservatives in and we just keep rotating through the two of them. So we've always basically had a neoliberal pro-business government, whichever party's been in power. With the exception of that work that Premier Williams did back in 2007 to 2010, I've never seen a government take serious action to improve the lot of workers in this province businesses are cared for first, and we just do some performative stuff for the benefit of workers after. I'm not even aware of any recent improvements to the Labor Standards Act in this province. It's dated 1990. There have been amendments over time, but I haven't seen any improvements in the years that I've been paying attention to this. And we have a current issue in the news out here about fighting for pay equity legislation, something that the House of Assembly said they were going to start working on back in 2018. And to date, they still haven't done anything. 
So my feeling, my personal view here, is that we haven't had governments who've really cared about the plight of low-wage workers in this province. And just to give you a scope of how many workers that is, 19% of our workforce earns $15 an hour or less. Why did the people who founded the Workers' Action Network decide that it was necessary and that this was the kind of organization that Newfoundland needs? I'm speaking a bit for other people here about my understanding from our conversations is that they've been very inspired by the work of the Workers' Action Centre in Ontario. And here in this province, unless you're unionized, and we do have a lot of union workers, but unless you're unionized, you're completely reliant on the Labour Standards Act for any kind of protections in the workplace and for defining your rights in the workplace other than some things that would be covered under the Occupational Health and Safety Act or the Human Rights Act. So workers here who are low wage, who are in unstable jobs, they haven't had any form of collective voice. If you look at the businesses, I mean, out here, the businesses, they've got the St. John's Board of Trade, they've got the Newfoundland and Labrador Employers Council, Hospitality, Newfoundland and Labrador, they got the Atlantic Chamber of Commerce, the Canadian Federation of Independent Business, they got Restaurants Canada and the Retail Council of Canada. Businesses are well taken care of and have good access to government. And the low-wage workers we're seeking to organize have had no collective voice like that, no influence with government. And there was a desire to change that. Some of the workers that we would be reaching out to and trying to organize, they may indicate that they would like to actually unionize their workplace. We don't do that, but we would put them in touch with those who can help them with that. We're really here about organizing workers outside of that collective bargaining context. And what was the practical work involved in actually establishing the network? It was a lot of research on Sarah and my part. We started working on this beginning of November, and it was launched on the 1st of February. So that was how much time we took to put things together. And we still don't know for sure what it is going to look like, because one of our core principles is that this is a worker-driven organization. We're trying to build enough critical mass of workers that we will have a board of directors consisting of workers and that workers will drive the agenda. They will identify the issues that we're going to take on. They will decide the course of action to address those issues. So we don't know 100% exactly what we're going to look like a year from now. But what we have set up now is a website as our central point of contact. That website contains a lot of information about basic workplace rights. It contains some links to some other organizations that we've built some relationships with that may be helpful to workers. Workers can reach out to us one-on-one -on -one to either have a one-on-one -on -one Zoom meeting with either myself or Sarah or to call us on the worker phone line to talk about an issue that they're facing. We do Know Your Rights webinars online. We're now that COVID restrictions are coming back somewhat, we're actually doing in real life Know Your Rights presentations to try to educate workers that they do have rights and that when those rights are violated, there are some paths you can follow to seek redress. So I guess the education part is a big part of our work right now and outreach, trying to get the word out to workers that we exist. We don't have a lot of financial resources at present, so we've been relying a lot on social media, and that can be quite limiting. 
So those are the kind of two things, outreach and educating workers that take up a lot of our time right now. But over time, as we organize, as we build that critical mass of workers, there will be a fleshing out of our work. In that period before you launched the network, what kinds of research were you doing? Well, we were setting up a website that we wanted to be informative. So obviously, we had to really get down into the nitty gritty of the various pieces of legislation, like the Labor Standards Act. But we also did some research looking into what other worker centers, worker solidarity networks or whatever are doing. And I was able to go to Toronto and spend some time with Dina Ladd and others at the Workers Action Center. I met with folks from Justice for Workers, Decent Work and Health Network, and that to kind of see the scope of their operation and learn some lessons from them that they learned the hard way. Basically, we put all of this together and how we're going to construct the website and how we're going to go about the work that we do. Because it's very easy to slip into being a service organization or an advocacy organization. And it's not that we don't provide a service or that we don't advocate on behalf of workers. It's just that we're very, very focused on making sure that this is a worker-driven organization. And along with social media, what other approaches are you using to reach out to low-wage workers in Newfoundland? Well, first, something that we're doing is a general worker survey that gives people a non-threatening way to give us information about their experience in the workplace. The other thing that we're doing is we're trying to engage workers. For example, school is starting up now, so we're arranging some opportunities to do presentations to new students as they're really heading out into the working world to financially support their studies. We're looking at being at events in the public, whether it's a farmer's market or a student fair, what have you, to have our materials there and answer people's questions as they come along. It's labor intensive, but that's what we're doing at present. We have made some footholds in other parts of the province, like, for example, Corner Brook in western Newfoundland. And we're looking for opportunities to go up there and to do some more work directly with people to build our network. Until we're in a better financial position to afford more travel and maybe even taking on staff to be a regional organizer in different parts of the province, that's kind of what we're going to be at for the next while. So it's growing. Every week we have more and more inquiries from workers and we're starting to get more and more opportunities to do presentations. What scope has there been so far to build relationships with and work with unions and community organizations? There's unions in the province that have provided the financial resources thus far. That's more like Common Frontenelle, who acts as our steering committee. They kind of take care of that part of it. But I know there's a number of unions that do provide us with some financial resources. And they, you know, amplify our message on social media one of our things that Sarah and I feel is very important is to model worker solidarity for workers. So when workers here are on strike, we go on the picket line with our banner as well, one day a week, just to show solidarity with those workers. And the unions certainly appreciate that as well. So I'd say we have a good relationship with the unions here, not a direct relationship, but a good one. And we also are seeking and building relationships with community organizations that we have some overlap with. So one example I'll use is the St. John Status Women Council. They've just launched a campaign on proactive pay equity legislation. 
we endorsed the report and we've been sharing their social media stuff to keep this in front of the public and keep the government's feet to the fire. We're working closely with the Canadian Federation of Students in Newfoundland and Labrador, as well as their locals, to get our message out to students about their rights as workers in the workplace. We're also looking to build relationships with organizations here that serve the 2SLGBTQIA community. And also Migrant Workers Alliance for Change is doing some work here along with the Migrant Students United because we are getting an increasing number of migrant workers in this province as well. Beyond the basics of outreach and education, what are some of the ways that you either have brought or want to bring workers together to, you know, build that basis that you need for taking action together? We are certainly hopeful that in the not too distant future, we'll have a physical space, one that we can share with some allied organizations. This would be a safe place for us to hold worker events, organizing events, and even just worker fellowship events. We can't just meet anywhere because this is not a big place people-wise. Very soon, most business owners would know who I am and who Sarah is. And I don't think, you know, the workers want to be seen with us necessarily uh, where their boss would see us. So it would be good to have that space where we can come together. And we're hoping that that's not too far off in the future. What we are doing in the interim is that Sarah hosts once a week, she calls worker community call. Any worker can sign up for it and come out to it. And it's just a space. It's a virtual space, but it's a space when workers can come together and just share their experiences in the workplace, get some answers to questions that they might have, and even maybe, you know, just get to know one another and start talking about ways in which they might address the issues that they're facing. At this stage, does the network have demands for employment law reform that it's making of the provincial government beyond supporting the pay equity campaign that you've already mentioned? That is something that we're interested in doing because the Labor Standards Act is so outdated and so weak that I guess in my head, a dream I would have is a group of workers coming together, going through that act and proposing amendments to it to improve workers' rights in the workplace. What we're seeing with our online virtual community check-in is different workers, as we get to know them, they all got different gifts. And there are some that are kind of eager on that side of things. So I do suspect that we will be down the road doing a piece of work around that where workers outline the changes they want to see in the Labor Standards Act and then launch perhaps a public campaign about that and certainly lobby our provincial government for that. Probably something shorter term is that we want to continue joining our voices with the campaign largely led by the Decent Work and Health Network in Ontario around paid sick days. That is a real issue out here, especially for low-wage workers, that we have no paid sick days out here. So I suspect that we will be doing something around that sooner than the broader Labor Standards Act piece. So as you've said, you want the network to be worker-driven, and the shape it takes will depend on what the workers who get involved want. But what are some directions that you think might be fruitful for the network to explore? Wow, there's lots of dreams I have. <laughs> but since it's workers that will drive everything, I don't know what we'll see. 
I'm very inspired by the Najwan Solidarity Network in the Peel region and the actions that they're taking against wage theft. I would love to see something like that happen here because we know particular employers who are very much engaged in wage theft. So I kind of look at what they're doing in Peel and hoping that we might be able to pull stuff like that. I would love if there was a workplace where everybody's ready to quit. They've just had enough. They're all going to quit and go somewhere else. If we could just say, hold on, if you're going to quit anyway, why not quit en masse and make it a protest action against the employment conditions in that business, but give them warning beforehand so you can let them know the issues and say, like, we're ready to walk out on this, right? Because, of course, the workers that we're trying to organize, they don't have the legal right to withhold their labor. So it would have to be a situation like that. I would love to see us get involved in some public education campaigns so people can know the issues that those people serving them their food in the restaurant or those people serving them in the retail outlet are dealing with. I'd like to get to the point where we can do a serious march on Confederation building out here, calling on the government to improve that Labor Standards Act. These are just some of the kind of dream things that I have, but we'll see where this takes us. And in more concrete terms, what does the Workers Action Network have coming up? that you want listeners to know about? I would encourage students in Newfoundland and Labrador who are heading back to their studies in September to look for opportunities to encounter us. We're not going to be at every campus across the province, but we're going to try. And if a campus invited us, we would definitely make the effort to get there and hold events. So the month of September, we are definitely focused on engaging with students as they return to school. And we have an event coming up in October with the Association of Early Childhood Educators. They're looking for, you know, better working conditions, better working rights, and certainly a pay that is in line with the education that they require to do the job that they're doing. We're keeping our general worker survey open probably until December to try to give workers as much opportunity to complete it as possible. So if any low-wage workers are out there from Newfoundland and Labrador listening to this, please go to our website and follow the link to the survey and complete the survey so that we have a good idea of the issues workers are facing. And to every worker in Newfoundland and Labrador who's in low-wage or unstable jobs, and you're looking at how difficult your situation is, how you're treated at work, the one thing that we want you to know is it doesn't have to be this way. Oftentimes, your rights are being violated, and there's courses of redress that you can take, and we can help you with that. But also, there's rights you should have, but you don't have. And if we come together and build this community of low-wage workers across the province, we will have a loud collective voice to push government to make those changes to labor standards legislation. It doesn't have to be this way, the way it is right now. We can change it. But it's only in solidarity with one another that we will be able to change it. So I plead with you not to just resign yourself to this, but to actually reach out to us and work with us so that we can find a way forward where we change things from the way that they are right now. You have been listening to my interview with Mark Nichols of the Workers Action Network NL. To learn more about the group, go to workersactionnl.ca. To find out more about Talking Radical Radio, the guests, the theme music, and the ways that you can listen, go to TalkingRadical.ca and click on the link for the radio show.
On the site, you can sign up for email updates or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, iTunes, SoundCloud, and other platforms. I'm Scott Nye, a writer and media producer based in Hamilton, Ontario, and the author of two books of Canadian history told through the stories of activists, published by Fernwood Publishing. Thank you very much for listening, and I hope you tune in again next week.